for us of grace, and I have the privilege of teaching God's word this morning. So if you have your Bibles, please go ahead and flip to Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 7. And if you don't have a Bible, we have some in the back, so we encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, take that home with you, keep it. And I just want to say, if you are new to Christianity, if you just became a Christian or you're not a Christian, we are just glad you're here. We want to be a safe place where you can come and learn and understand and read God's word. Well, church, it's that time of year again. And for some of us, it's been that time of year since November 1st. Trees are up, lights are hung, Christmas music is filling our cars, filling our homes. And what I love about this time of year is the anticipation. Right? Advent started today. We kicked off Advent. We get to anticipate the celebration of our Lord being born, our Lord coming to earth to save us. I love the anticipation of family gatherings, family coming into town, us going out to town. And I love the anticipation of the memories that will be made on Christmas morning. By a show of hands, who here has started or finished their Christmas shopping? Wow, that's impressive. I think the statistic in America is only about 60% of people actually start early. The rest just wait till Christmas Eve. Crazy. <laughs> but we all have a favorite Christmas gift memory, don't we? I remember mine so vividly. I believe I was five or six years old when I opened my gift, which was a black and neon green mongoose mountain bike. Man, this thing was bad. It took me all over town. It took me to grocery stores where I frequently went and got candy. If you know me, I'm a huge sweet tooth. It took me to my friend's house everywhere off of ramps. I loved this toy, and it was such a precious memory for me. And it was funny. I was talking to Ricky about how our gifts evolve as we get older. Right? They evolve into things like drills and kitchen tools and and clothing. And in the eyes of a child, our gifts go from fun while we're young to just boring and what am I going to use that for as we get older. And today, our text is all about gifts. We're going to be talking about gifts, but not gifts that are wrapped in a bow, placed under a pretty decorated tree. No, we are talking about the gifts that Jesus Christ gives his church in order for his church to be built up. Now, these gifts Paul will talk about are all around you this morning. Everywhere you look, every person you interact with, they are a gift from the Lord, and they have a gift from the Lord for the purposes of building up his church. So let's cherish one another. That is my hope today, that we could cherish one another's gifts and also see God's grander purpose and design for the gifts that he gives. So let's jump into God's word, Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Paul writes, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also 
ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Father, illuminate our hearts and our minds this morning with your word. Let us be changed so that we can love you deeper, so that we can love one another all the more. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So our headline is simply this. In this passage, Jesus gives gifts to his church so we can grow together to look more like our Savior We're going to look at this in three points. The first point is the gift giver. We're going to marvel at the gift giver, which is Jesus Christ. Our second point is we're going to look at the diversity of our gifts. And the final point that we're going to end home with is the goals of the gifts. And I just want to say, for those of you who are not Christians and you've joined us today, I just want to say you're going to hear a lot about us just talking about serving and doing, and I just want to be very clear, we, the Christian faith is not like other religions where we just have to do more, so then maybe God will be happy with us. Far from the truth, the Christian faith is a response to everything that the Lord has done for us. That is the framework of mind we are going into today. So point number one, the gift giver, Jesus Christ. Before we jump into verses 8 through 10, verse 7 has something to say to help direct our attention to the path Paul is taking us on. I want to make sure that we have the right framework of mind as we dive into this passage by distinguishing Paul's meaning of the word grace. The grace Paul is talking about is not saving grace, like we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, where by grace you have been saved. Saving grace belongs to all who place their faith in Christ. But here in verse 7, the ESV study Bible is helpful in recognizing that Paul is talking about serving grace. Grace to serve Jesus's church. And notice in verse 7, each one of us See those words there, each one of us. This is not just for everyone who is up here, but every single person who places their faith in Christ, you have been given grace to serve his church. And how do we do that? The last word of verse 7, in accordance to the measure of Christ's gift. We each have a gift, and we're going to jump into that more. But first, the gift giver, verse Verses 8 through 10 focuses on two things. First, 
the gift giver. Paul is quoting Psalm 68, verse 18, which is a psalm that glorifies the victor coming home from battle who receives all the spoils of war and then graciously distributes it to his soldiers and its citizens. Now, Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is applying this psalm to Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. The second thing Paul focuses on in verses 8 through 10 is the message of the gift giver, the gospel, the good news of what Christ has done. And this may not be the gospel presentation you may have encountered, this whole talk about ascension, descension. What exactly is Paul talking about? The children's song, Lord, I Lift Your Name on High, is of use here to help explain plainly what is going on in verses 8, 9, and 10. The lyrics go, you came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross, my debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high, right? I know what some of you are thinking, and the answer is yes, I dropped my worship application, so there's plenty more of that where that just came from. So you came from heaven to earth. When saying Jesus descended, he is simply talking about the incarnation, which could be a Christianese word. It's just a fancy word for God became flesh and dwelt among us. That is when Christ came and was born to dwell on this earth. And we see he came to show the way, right? During his time on earth, Jesus performed miracles. He modeled what it looked like to love God and to love others. He did teachings on uh, forgiveness, the resurrection, the kingdom of God. And he explained over and over how he was the coming Messiah, the long-awaited Savior that humanity was look for, looking for. And the song continues, from the cross to the grave. Don't worry, I won't sing anymore. The Bible says we were enemies of God, deserving of God's just wrath. On the cross, Christ absorbs the wrath of God intended for you and me. The one who was sinless died a sinner's death. He died for you and for me and was then buried in the grave. Why? For my debt to pay. Every sin, whether in thought, in word, in deed, accrues a debt to God. God is holy and perfect, right? And we are not. So how could we pay off our debt perfectly? What we need is a redeemer to intercede, pay our debt for us. Jesus does exactly that. Through his sacrifice, God's wrath against sin is satisfied. Our debt fully paid. We go from sinner to saint, from death to life, hopeless to hope-filled, guilty to redeemed and forgiven, enemies to reconciled to God. All because Christ descended. What a gift. What a gift, church. The song gets better. From the grave to the sky, verse 10, he who descended also ascended far above all the heavens, the grave could not hold our Savior down. 
God raises him up from the dead and then exalts him at the right hand of the Father. His resurrection from the dead brings life to the words we read in our Bibles today. We worship a God who is fully alive. The sinner who is saved is only left to finish off the last lyrics of the song. Lord, I lift your name on high. God did what we could never do through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus' blood spilt for you and for me reconciles us to God. It pays the debt we owed. His resurrection secures our hope that there is a life beyond this broken and messy world. And we see in verse 8, so beautifully written, he led a host of captives. Christ captivates the things that held us captive. Our Savior conquered the things that conquered us. And our only response is to praise him, to thank the Lord. Chapel has this to say, in his death, resurrection, and ascension, Christ imprisoned the power of sin over us. Our bondage to Satan, sin, and death is itself made captive to the power of Christ so that it has no hold over us. Rather, we have been captivated by Christ's love and are pictured as trailing in his victory parade as he ascends to heaven. He has the authority to dispense gifts here as he wishes, to whom he wishes, in the proportion he wishes, and with the expectation that we will respect his authority to dispense his gifts among the people as he sees best. I was talking to Steve Prescott at the end of first service, and Steve just noticed at the end of Psalm 68, verse 35 says, Awesome is God from his sanctuary, the God of Israel. He who is the one who gives power and strength to his people. Blessed be God. And as we will read, that power and strength is given to us through our giftings to build up the church. I just want to say, for those who are not in Christ, this gospel, this grace is held out to you by God. You no longer have to be held, by, held captive by your sin. You no longer have to feel the burden of your guilt and shame. There is one who provides freedom and forgiveness for those who simply believe. So as we behold the victorious gift giver, let us march forward and transition to the diverse gifts that he gives his people, the church. Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Christ gives his church exactly what his church needs in order to fulfill his purposes for her. The first two gifts, apostles and prophets. According to the patterns of Paul's epistles, the capital A, capital P, apostles and prophets served as foundational gifts for the early church and are not seen as ongoing gifts for the church today. Ephesians 2.20 talks about all who have been brought into the family of God are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Stott has this to say, Paul puts the prophets next after the apostles, and he brackets apostles and prophets as the church's foundation and recipients 
a fresh revelation from God. As the foundation on which the church is being built, the prophets have no successors any more than the apostles have, for the foundation was laid and finished centuries ago. But we cannot tamper with it in any way today. As a church, we want people to step out in faith to what God is calling them to do. Whether he is sending you overseas for missions work or faithfully asking you to give someone a word of encouragement, although there are no longer capital A, capital P, apostles and prophets, we still see shadows of that type of gifting today with the purposes of building up rather than establishing the church. We see people today being called to various parts of the world with apostolic ministries of different kinds, such as pioneer missionary work, church planting, and so on. But we also experience very helpful prophetic words today that encourage and build up the church and that also make, our, make fresh and new in our hearts and in our minds the words already established in Scripture. We see the next three gifts as ongoing gifts for the church today, stuff we still see here. The first one is evangelist. Christian, we all play the role of an evangelist, but there are some here who are specially gifted by the Lord to make clear and plain the gospel to the lost. I can't tell you how many people who I have met that come to Cross of Grace because they were either invited by Vince Corpus or Robert Cormell. We all have a role in telling people about Jesus and inviting them to hear the gospel. He also talks about shepherds. And man, I love how the Bible refers to us often as sheep. I think it's extremely interesting and also slightly insulting. I remember reading a story about these sheep, and it's kind of depressing, kind of sad, but these sheep all resided in this pasture overlooking this cliff. And these sheep didn't even know, but they would just walk and follow each other, and one by one, they were falling off the cliff and dying, right? So they would fall, die, and eventually over time, this is the sad part, there were so many of them that fell and died that they became like a mattress, like a bed, for the rest of the sheep that just kept coming and falling and dying. And so these sheep would fall, land on their dead sheep friends, and then just get up and keep doing sheep things. Sheep are dumb. <laughs> and so when I look at how the Bible refers to us as sheep, and then I think about some of the things I've said, some of the things I've done in my life, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty spot on. I could be pretty dumb. And when I think about just the gift of a shepherd. How Jesus gives his church that. Man, I just think of the kindness of the Lord to see our need for a shepherd to protect us, to keep watch over us. Church, how often are we prone to wander from the Lord? How often are we faced with temptation? How often are we discouraged in trials? Christ, in his wisdom and kindness, gives his church shepherds to protect us and point us to the good shepherd, which is Jesus Christ. Final gift is teachers. We see that the feeding of the sheep is a priority for Christ's 
church. And it is God's living word that we feast on. Good teaching creates growth in the life of the Christian. We see in Scripture what happens when God's word is sent out and proclaimed, right? First book of the Bible, first page of the Bible, God said, God said, God said, and from nothing, all of this life is now created and happening. We see in Ezekiel 37, God is talking to the, to the prophet, and he says, what do you see? And Ezekiel's like, I just see dead everywhere, death dead bones. There is no life here. And God says, what does God have him do? Prophesy. Give them my words, right? And we notice after the prophet gives God's words to this valley of dry bones, bones start to shake and rattle, and we start seeing tendons connect to one another, bodies being formed, and what was once dead is now brought to life. God's word gives us life. One of the things I love doing is going around and just asking people, man, how have the sermons been shaping your life lately? And it, man, Revelation was so encouraging. If you are new to our church, I'd encourage you, go back and listen to Revelation. But even asking people about Ephesians, hey man, how is Ephesians just helping you love the Lord more? And I've gotten this response from multiple people. They have said, even though I have read this countless times, this feels like it is the first time I have ever read Ephesians. God's word promotes growth. And I just want to thank God for the pastors that he has given us as a church. What gifts they are. Their faithful teaching of God's word helps us to grow and to look more like Christ one Sunday at a time. So church, I want to encourage you, see the gifts that Christ has given to us in our pastors. They are gifts we get to receive every single interaction with them. And no, they're not perfect, nor do we expect them to be, but they model what it looks like to be faithful. I want to encourage you, pray for our pastors. Let them know how they've helped you grow in your relationship with the Lord. You have no idea how that will encourage our pastors. And also, thank the Lord for our pastor's faithfulness to God's calling to serve his church. So we see that Paul clearly establishes that God has gifted the leaders of the church in different ways and in different proportions. Last November, our staff did an Energize to Lead training with Eric Gonzalez. And man, part of this training was just learning what energizes us individually on staff and what also just drains us. It's super helpful to know because if, if I get burnt out by having to just meet with people, then maybe we need to have another people person tagged on with me so I don't get burnt out or whatever, for example. Or if we have someone who's just very action-oriented but they don't, never, never plan, maybe we should attach a planner with them just to help them along. And so we talked about four main categories. We had our action-oriented people. Those were our bowls in the china shop. We have our people people, people that are team-oriented. They love, they thrive off of relationships. They want to ensure that that is held as a priority. We have our organized and structured people. They love systems and methods. And we also have our visionaries, the people that have ideas. They can cast vision for the direction of the church. They are creative. And what we learned 
as a staff is we have our own strengths and our own weaknesses to each of our gifts. For our action people, like I said, they don't always well, so they have the potential for making mistakes. For our vision casters, they're not always the best at making their visions become a reality. Right? For the idea-organized people like myself, they can get stuck in their, maintain- in their mundane routines and not allow space for creativity. And our people people, although they're great with people, are not always the most organized. They can be difficult to depend on for certain things. So I am a mix of organization and people. I am not an idea guy. Church, if it were just me at the church, we would be very friendly, but we would get very boring. I would bore you to death eventually. I need people like Ricky and John, our vision people, to help set the direction for where we're going. Just an example of just, I love John's creativity. He calls his ideas brain sprinkles, not even a brainstorm. Like, who thinks of that, right? But our vision need people need our action people to help things become reality. And I'm so grateful for the diversity of our staff. It is so helpful to know, okay, he's not strong in that, but that's okay. We will, now we know how we can help him. It is such a gift to see that our giftings bring a lot to the table, but it's also a gift to see that one another's gifts can help our weaknesses. And we cannot serve the church as effectively without one another. But this doesn't just stay at the staff level. This permeates into Jesus' church, you and me. Verse 7, remember we started with that verse. Each one of us. Paul is talking about you, me, all of us. We've been given this grace. What's that grace? To serve Christ's church. How do we do it? In accordance to the proportions that Christ gives his church for his people. So while there are differences in our church leaders, there are also certainly differences in the church's people as well. But bottom line, we need everyone's diverse gifts. Romans 12, 4 through 6 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Praise God. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to each of us. Let us use them. And I want to take a quick pause from the stream we are going down and just hop on the shore for a quick moment. This is something I've been praying about because I think it's something important that needs to be talked about and adjusted in our hearts. So obviously Paul is talking about having different gifts in the church. And if we are being honest, sometimes those differences can get under our skin. Sometimes we think, if only they were like me. We'd never have any conflict. There'd be no tension. Right? If only we ran things a certain way, we'd be more efficient. And Paul sees the conflict and through Ephesians continues to just point us to the gift giver, the one who is able to make unity and diversity coexist together. As Ricky said last week, we are able to serve one another in love. Why? 
Because Christ served us in love. When we were not very good looking for someone, like when we just were not worthy to be saved, the Lord saved us. We are not worthy to be served. The Lord served us. When one another, when we do not see one another as worthy for me to serve them with my gift, we got a vertical issue going on with the Lord. We got to check our hearts. So I want to say, I think these are three truths that I hope will settle in our hearts today that will help correct our posture, our heart posture towards one another. First, we must recognize that the gifts at Cross of Grace and in the church at large derive from Christ's generosity and authority. Chapel has this to say, the gifts given to you and me, we who are the body of Christ, are the extension of Christ's very heart and being to his people. To despise one another's gifts is to disrespect Christ's authority and disregard Christ's generosity. Notice this, church. Every Christmas at the end of the day, there are never any unopened gifts at Christmas time. Never. This room is full of amazing and wonderful gifts. Have you opened these gifts? Have you gotten to know what's under the wrapping paper? Have you given your gift to others to build up the church? We were not given gifts to serve ourselves. That is not God's design. Second, we must see all gifts as equally valuable and important. We must see all gifts as equally valuable and important. For the Christian who sits here this morning and thinks my gift is not important, this section is for you. Your gift comes from Jesus Christ, the God who wonderfully knew you before you were even born, who wonderfully made you, has given you specific gifts to build up his church. The gift of administration is as important as the gift of hospitality. The gift of giving a word of encouragement is as important as the gift of service. And I was talking to Steve again, and Steve was so encouraging. A lot of times we think, I have to have a title, or I have to have a badge in order to use my gifts. I have to be called a greeter. I have to be called an usher. That is not true, church. You can be intentional with your gifts on a Sunday morning by simply showing up 10 minutes early and finding someone to encourage. You can, if you have the gift of hospitality in your community group, why don't you highlight birthdays? Make birthdays a big deal, right? Look at all of this that we are seeing. If you have the gift of just helping, of service, you can find so many different ways that don't have a title to serve and build up the church. And lastly, I want to, I really hope this postures our hearts correctly. We must embrace the diversity of the church's gifts no matter the length of time. Whether people are in El Paso and not leaving anytime soon or they are here for just a few years, we must embrace who God brings to us. People at Cross of Grace are gifts 
that Christ has given for a specific reason to fit a specific need in the church, which is Jesus' purpose for even giving the gifts. I thank God for Brad and Ariana Scott. They serve as community group leaders at our church. They serve in kids' ministry. And Brad saw the need for freedom fight. I brought that to the elders and said, guys, I think this could really serve our church. And because of Freedom Fight, we're able to disciple men who are struggling with lust. He saw a need. God gave us Brad for that need in our church. I thank God for the Corpus family. I think of their hours of counseling people in this church. I think of the hours of prep and preaching from Vince. I think of the community group they led. But Vince saw a need in our church to raise up elders. And now we have an elder development program to do just that. I can think of many more, the Williamsons, the Caros, Teresa, Bustamantes, and so many who have served Cross of Grace with their gifts, and so many who do so now. And while it is difficult, I get it. While it's difficult to see them leave, we must thank God for them and anticipate the gifts that God will continue to bring our church. And when they arrive, we need to embrace them, however long they're here. What is your heart's posture towards those in the church whose gifts are different than yours? Now we're going to hop back into the creek, the stream here, and get off the shore and continue with our message by hitting on the last point, the goals of the gifts. Christ gave the church gifts, picking up in verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Let me say that again. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The purposes for the gifts that Jesus gives to his church, first one is to work and to build. Christ gives the gift of pastors to his churches to equip the saints. Remember verse 7, each one of us. We all have grace given to serve the church. And so often there is a tendency in the American church to just show up and never play the game. It's similar to sports fans. Fans act as if they were on the teams themselves. They don't go to practice. They're not lifting weights with the team. They're not watching film, right? They just show up and watch. Sadly, there are many Christians who would rather watch than throw on the helmet, throw on the shoulder pads, and go and play the game. This is not the New Testament model for church ministry. Paul did not write that our pastors are gifted either so that they can just perform and we can just enjoy the show and eat our popcorn. That is not Paul's intent either. That is not Christ's intent. 
His design is for the pastors to serve the church by equipping all of us. In the church, there should be no saints sitting on the bleachers watching. Notes, failure to steward Christ's gifts simply sinful neglect of our calling. Christian, if you are in Christ, congratulations! You've been hired into full-time ministry. Now, the way we make our money might be different, but we are all called to serve in full-time ministry. Use your gifts for the work Christ is calling you to do. No one is more holy than the other. We are all on a level playing field, all equally sinful with equally important gifts. Do you value one another's gifts? I want to share this quick story about this pastor and his small church plant. So when they got started, as the church began to grow, they are like, okay, we actually need Sunday teams to help run the church. We need greeters. We need ushers, all of that. And he found a guy at the church who was a mechanic. And he said, hey, man, I want you to be my greeter. Can you help serve the church by being a greeter? And the mechanic said, not me. That, I, I'm not gifted to be a greeter. Let me just kind of do my thing. I cannot be a greeter. And a few days later, he dropped his car off at the auto shop where that mechanic was working. And the pastor saw this lady just bent over. You could just see how she was just overwhelmed with the, the invoice that she had received, how much it was going to cost to fix her car. And he saw the mechanic who attended his church. And the, the mechanic just comforted her. He consoled her and said, don't worry, we'll, we'll take care of this. Like, we can move that around. That's not a priority. We can work on that later. But he was just so good with her. The pastor went up to him and said, aha, you will be a greeter. You can be a greeter. And again, talking to Steve after the sermon, title does not matter. We all have gifts, and we are called to use them. So my question for you is, do you know what your gifts are? If you do not, talk to a pastor or talk to a close, mature Christian friend who knows you well. Another way you can figure out what your gifts are, start serving. You won't know unless you start trying. And you don't need a badge to do it. You can do it wherever you're at on a Sunday. How are you currently using your gifts for the building up of Jesus' church? The second goal of the gifts is maturity. As we build one another up, we grow in our unity and maturity. We can look at the purposes of the gifts and boil it down to one word, discipleship. Discipleship requires other people to help us look more like Christ. We cannot mature to our fullest potential without the example set by those who are far more mature than us. So church, see the gifts that Christ lavishes on his church. We have members with individual and diverse gifts. We have pastors who teach and shepherd the flock. And what is the result? Verse 14, maturity, steadfast Christ followers. Now, let's get some boots on the ground here. We can start maturing together 
one simple way, by showing up. Your attendance is a ministry. Have you ever considered that your absence from church, your absence from community group, from serving on a Sunday team affects not just you, but the people that could have received the benefit of your gift? Simply show up. D.L. Moody stresses the importance of showing up when he says, church attendance is as vital to a disciple as a transfusion of rich, healthy blood to a sick man. The last goal of the gifts, and I changed it, so whatever's on the slide, that's not true. I changed it to, well, it's true, but I changed it to growth in love. As we build together, get equipped together, and mature together, we grow deeper in our love for one another and for our Savior. What is the secret sauce for diversity and unity to coexist? What's the secret sauce? Our world is constantly trying to blend the two together and constantly failing. What is the secret sauce? Verse 15 says, speaking the truth in love. Or as the participle puts it, truthing. Are you truthing? Not only speaking the truth, are you doing the truth? Paul says in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, when speaking about the spiritual gifts, if there is no love behind the gifts, he is a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. We can serve the church, but if there is no love behind why we are serving, are we really serving the church? We are called to serve the church with our gifts, not as a duty, but as a joyful responsibility. We get to just respond that our Savior would even die for us. We get to just respond by just serving, giving back the gifts that he gave to us. Now we get to go and give them. To conclude, when we use our gifts to build one another up, our love not only increases for one another, but for Jesus. Church, without Christ, there are no gifts. Without Christ, there is no church. But by grace, we have the privilege to march behind our victorious king in his victory parade building one another up until we are face-to-face with Jesus completely, enjoying the spoils of our victorious king forever. And I just want to say quickly, even if Cross of Grace is not your home church, I want to encourage you, find a church and serve. The question should not be, is the worship super cool and hip? Does the pastor look relatable the way I dress? The question should be, how can I serve this body of believers? Serve, Christian, wherever you are at in the local church. As we go, let us just praise the gift giver for all he has done and is doing. Let us pray for and thank God for our pastors. Let us embrace one another's diverse gifts. And lastly, let us consider how to use our gifts for the building up 
of Jesus' church. Pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving and saving sinners such as ourselves. Lord, we are humbled that you would not only just save us, but then you would give each one of us gifts to participate and be involved in the building up of your church. Lord, help us at Cross of Grace to see your grander plan for your church and to embrace one another's roles within that plan. Father, fill our pastors afresh with your spirit for the work of equipping the saints. Give them strength to depend on you as they lead our church. And lastly, Lord, give us strength to serve with a service that is fueled by your love and your mercy for us. I thank you, Lord, for our church. Amen.